I do recall understanding the importance if there was an answer and you knew the answer as Secretary of State, give it and give it quickly to the county official that's calling you. And, and I think it was really a, a, a pretty smooth time in that relationship between us and them. You know, the county clerks understood, as I did by then, and hopefully always did, that, that it's a unique job where you're both a participant as an elected official, but you're also the umpire. The full and free exercise of our sacred right and duty to vote is more important in the long run than the personal hopes or ambitions of any candidate for any office in the land. You're listening to High Turnout, Wide Margins, an insider's look at election administration hosted by Brianna Lennon and Eric Fay. Well, this is another episode of High Turnout, Wide Margins. I'm Eric Fay from St. Louis County, and my co-host is Brianna Lennon. County clerk for Boone County, Missouri. And today we're with Senator Roy Blunt, one of our senators from the state of Missouri. Normally we don't have elected officials on this podcast, but Senator Blunt is not just our senator, our U.S. senator from Missouri. He's also a former local election official, and that's really why we wanted him uh, to be on the podcast to talk about election administration. So, Senator, thank you so much for being here. And the first thing we always start off asking our guests is, how did you get involved in election administration? Well, you know, I was a county clerk in Greene County when I was 23, so I didn't have much time to get involved in anything before that. And I loved it. I've always enjoyed politics. Uh, uh, The process of politics and elections uh, are, I think, very interesting. And it's really the the confidence in what happens election day is really the the fabric of what holds the democracy together. Uh, And for all of us who have done this, like, like the two of you working right now to be sure that we come to a conclusion that people have confidence in, it's so incredibly important that people understand the safeguards, that the law actually provides uh, the right uh, safeguards, uh, and uh, that people turn out and vote. You don't want people not voting because somehow they think it's not fair or what they do really doesn't count. There are all kinds of great stories about how many decisions are made by just a few voters that determine a significant moment in somebody's career where they move forward because of a handful of votes and do other things or a significant ballot issue decision. Uh, It does matter. It matters that people participate. Uh, And the more people have have confidence in the system, I think even beyond whether the ease of voting, I think confidence in the system is a greater encourager than ease of voting in terms of having the kind of turnouts we'd all like to have. And I think your your moniker here was uh, high turnout, big margin. Uh, of course, what every election authority wants is an election that clearly is decided in a way that people don't have to be concerned about that. The first year I conducted elections in Springfield and Greene County in the general, we actually wound up after a recount that was still largely paper ballot, we certified a tie to the Missouri General Assembly, uh, the Democrat-controlled House Election Committee gave the Democrat, I think, one more vote than the recount had given the Democrat, uh, and the Speaker of the House was having none of that, so actually they referred it to the Committee of the Whole. I was 
25, I guess, at the time. and just turned 25. And uh, I testified for four hours before the entire Missouri House going through all of these ballots that had been challenged. Wide margin would have been better, but I will admit it gave me a level of uh, recognition with Missouri legislators that I couldn't have gotten any other way. And generally good, though probably not all good, but wide margins are a good thing, but participation, big turnout is a better thing. So I have to ask, if that was your first experience in general elections, what made you stick around in wanting to operate local elections? Well, you know, we changed, actually, we uh, changed to a punch card system after that. Uh, And Brianna, I came to your office uh, before we did that, where Boone County was already using uh, punch cards. You weren't the county clerk at the time, obviously. It was right before Chris Kelly became the county clerk and looked at how the system was working there. And we did about 14, I think, of our 100-plus precincts. We did about 14 of them with punch card ballots that first time I was in charge of the general, which is also a pretty – you might not do that if you were more seasoned than I was at the time. But the only precinct that counted out exactly like the election night count in that state representative race was the one punch card precinct uh, in that uh, in that uh, district, and we counted all those, of course, by looking at where the holes were punched. Uh, but uh, I, I stuck with it and uh, liked doing it, and uh, still am, am very interested in what the two of you are doing and all your colleagues around the state are doing right now. So, Senator, I know after your time as county clerk in Greene County, you became Secretary of State of Missouri uh, in the 1980s, and I remember when I became director of elections, the first county clerk's conference I went to, uh, I met Wendy Norn, who you know very well, and uh, had dinner with her. And I had just been at a session where she was up in the front of everybody screaming and yelling at the secretary of state's representative there about everything that, you know, they needed to be doing. And she said, oh, yeah, it's just it's like that all the time. We haven't had a good secretary of state since since Roy Blunt. He 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 really knew what the clerks wanted because he was a clerk. And so I I would hope you could you talk a little bit about your time as secretary of state? And you were a Republican. You are a Republican. Probably most of the county clerks, I'm guessing, in Missouri were Democrats at the time. So right. Wendy, of course, was a Democrat. How did you how did you manage that? And what what was it like at that time running running elections in Missouri? Well, that does sound like the Wendy Norton that I was so fond of yelling at the whole group and not much yelling. I think actually one of the things I did was put Wendy uh, on our advisory uh, committee, which I set up as secretary of state of of county clerks. And like the county clerks who were about two to one uh, Democratic at the time, uh, that committee was about, about the same. And I don't recall having those kinds of challenges. I think while my, my predecessor had done a great job, uh, Mr. Kirkpatrick been there 20 years, one, I got to be the first new person in 20 years. And that allows you to do things that otherwise maybe had just kind of fallen into the way things had always been done. And, and two, we look for lots of outside uh, assistance. Uh, my deputy secretary of state for elections was Paul Block who'd been the, uh, the, uh, the county clerk in California, Missouri. And so between the two of us, we had had great relationships for about a decade each with 
secretaries of state who stayed even longer in those jobs then than I think they do now. One of the things I'm concerned about right now is the significant number of county clerks. Uh, I think I said secretary of states who stay longer, county clerks who stay longer. The significant number of county clerks who are, who are leaving, many of them, even a few of them after their very first uh, term. But, uh, you know, understanding that you're in this together I know when I used to do election training sessions, I, and I, I did them every, every uh, major election, I, I'd tell our workers, um, there are two of you doing every job for two different reasons. One is to watch each other, but the other one is to protect each other. Uh, don't think you're doing a favor to somebody by asking them to, uh, you, you can stay, I'll take the ballots in, or... Uh, go ahead and take a break. We'll count this group without you. You know, part of what you're doing there is protecting that other person to be sure that when this is all over, everybody knows that the strategy was followed. Uh, and while I was glad to hear uh, Wendy's statement about me as Secretary of State, uh, my son Matt, who was Secretary of State 10 years later or so, probably wouldn't have been as fond of that. But let's assume that Wendy's comment was in the middle somehow of the, of the two blunts who were Secretary of State. Was there anything that surprised you when you became Secretary of State, relationships that changed with county clerks that you were surprised about? I, I think it was pretty good, Brianna. I don't recall having those challenges. I do recall understanding the importance, if there was an answer and you knew the answer as Secretary of State, give it and give it quickly to the county official that's calling you. Don't, don't think, well, I need to run, don't let your staff think you need to run this by the counsel for your office, or even more troublesome, how we have to run that by the attorney general. We had minimum times uh, when we couldn't just immediately help a county official understand either the specific law or any uh, any court determinations on that law. And, and I think it was really a, a, a pretty smooth time in that relationship between us and them. You know, the county clerk's understood, as I did by then, and hopefully always did, that, that it's a unique job where you're both a participant as an elected official, but you're also the umpire. Uh, and helping them, you know, with that umpire relationship, and frankly, as the chief election official of the state, understanding that that was also a critically important part of what you had to do, is on those questions that related to elections or conduct of elections, that all of your advice was the same no matter who was calling, that you were just as helpful and responsive no matter who was calling, and what you were telling them was absolutely for sure what you'd tell the local newspaper if they called the office and asked, what should the county clerk be doing about that? And so I think it was a really good relationship where we all benefited the, the, the uh, whole was, was greater than some of the parts. We all benefited from working together. Uh, Mr. Kirkpatrick had late in his career starting putting out either an annual or a quarterly publication, Kirkpatrick's Ballot Banter. I changed that dramatically to where it was then Blunt's Ballot Banter. And, you know, every quarter we were, I think it was every four times a year. And I looked at these the other day as I was getting ready to send things to the State Historical Society. I still had a notebook that had all of the blunt ballots banner for that eight years in it. On the first blunt ballot banner, somebody had given me a huge tennis shoe 
from the Bass Pro Shops whenever I left the, the, the county clerk's office, the big shoes to fill thing. And I, I, I took it to the first Missouri Press Association I was at honoring Mr. Kirkpatrick. At the end of my speech, I took out this like five foot tennis shoe and said, I found this in the office. And of course, that was the first picture on the, the cover of the first Blunt's ballot banter of me uh, giving Jim Kirkpatrick his lost tennis shoe. I think things either were more fun then or we just had more fun uh, making the whole process work. And people expected it to work, they trusted it to work, and it was the rare exception where somebody thought that that part of Election Day somehow wasn't exactly what you would hope that it would be. Hi, I'm Brianna Lennon, County Clerk for Boone County, Missouri, and you're listening to High Turnout, Wide Margins, a podcast where we explore local election administration. Just as a quick side note, I can't believe you brought up that newsletter, Senator, because when I became director of elections, several of the clerks who had been around since the 80s still remember that newsletter and would bring it up. So it it lives on in the in the hearts of uh, a number of uh, former county clerks in Missouri. Exactly. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. I, I looked at it the other day and I thought those were those were great. Those were great times. Another thing I thought our legislature did pretty well is create a lot of flexibility in the pandemic uh, with the understanding that this is for this unique search situation and later we'll come back and look at what we need to do next. But a lot of places where they changed the law, then when they changed it back, they got a lot of criticism. But I thought our local election officials really stepped up uh, in the pandemic and took advantage of the flexibility they had and then were able to share that uh, when it was over. This is what was really good and this was what was maybe more more uh, difficult for voters and us both. And, uh, you know, having... Uh, having the election work its way out. And then I'm a big advocate for having the most information you can also at the end of the election day. And I'm glad we, I think we still count all of our absentee ballots that are available on election day, on election day. And is that deadline, what is that deadline, Brianna? Is it still? It's still by the close of polls on election day. So that by the time that we start counting everything, when polls close, we have every ballot that we would need to have, with the exception of some military ballots. That uh, that does have an extended deadline. We can we can accept military ballots late, which is great for anybody that's overseas and, and mailing their ballot back. The more you can produce a result when people are eager to hear that result, I think that's that's something you don't want to give away easily. And a lot of states have where they... I think in Maryland this year, they couldn't even count any absentee ballot until the day after the election. And the more people that were voting early, the more likely that would be to make a big difference in the election returns. It's like two weeks after the election before these elections could be decided, even elections that had a pretty good margin. You didn't know for a couple of weeks uh, how that, that worked out. And I think one of the things election authorities should always want to argue for is give us the tools we need to do our job in the most accurate way, but also in a timely way. Senator, I would be remiss in this conversation if we didn't bring up HAVA, the Help America Vote Act. Uh, We have interviewed a few people on our podcast over the last couple of years to talk about HAVA, and 
I think in every conversation, your name always comes up in the context of after Florida in 2000, Congress realized they needed to do something and people were scurrying around trying to figure things out. And they all, at least the folks we talked to said, well, we, we quickly figured out that the only member of Congress that knew anything about how local elections work is Roy Blunt. And so you, you came to the center of the discussion around Havin. So I was hoping you could describe for everybody who listens how HAVA came together and what that whole process was like in an era where Congress had not really addressed much in the realm of local and state election administration prior to that. I remember that much like you do, that really I had been a local election authority. There weren't that many people that had any of that experience, only a couple that had been the statewide election authority at the time. Uh, the jurisdiction for the Help America Vote Act is currently in the Rules Committee, where I was chairman for six years, and now in an equally divided committee, uh, Senator Klobuchar is the chairman, and I'm the top Republican on that committee. Uh, and the principal determining guideline for HAVA in 2001 and two, when we put that together, uh, was uh, after the contested election in Florida in 2000, was uh, that we were going to provide money and we would try to develop some model ways to do things, but this is an important area of responsibility to leave to the states. Every state is different. Every state's political tradition and election tradition may be slightly different from even their, their next door neighboring states. Uh, and we decided to do that. And one of the things I've really worked for, for local officials, uh, as well as starting principally with the chief election official of the state, is to be sure that they have all the information that you need to have to make the decisions you need to make, particularly on cyber uh, questions and being sure, one, if there's a cyber attack, how could it occur? And two, and it's more likely to occur in your registration systems than it is your election day system, because your election day systems are not on, uh, they're, they're not set up in a way that you can get to them through the internet, but your registration systems almost by definition for most places are. And then to understand that if there are registration problems, that doesn't mean they necessarily have to, that hasn't jeopardized or necessarily impacted the whole election system itself. It's only created a problem that election officials need to work hard, one, to prevent, and two, when it does happen, to have a way to quickly uh, work it out. Uh, and so, uh, you know, lots of money. We're continuing to distribute money. I do think there's a tendency, Eric and Brianna, I think there's a tendency uh, to have a future goal and hold on to as much of the Help America Vote Act money that gets allocated to you and then there's always a question about should that be allocated directly to more, more of it directly to you and or less of it to the, just to the state. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that continues to be an important uh, question. But either case, um, you know, there's there's things you probably could do with HABA money that you often that local election officials often don't do or state election officials because they're putting money aside for a total change of the state voting system in states that do it that way or the county system. Uh, but it was really the first time that the federal government ever stepped in and says, maybe there's a role to play here 
but we still think it should be a limited role that states know better how to conduct elections than their states with the input of local election officials than anybody in Washington, D.C. Uh, could figure out. And I continue to think that's the best place for us to be on this issue. And I know we're, we're coming up to a half an hour. The, the question that I would really like to know, especially based on your response to Hava, is what, what do you hope that your legacy in elections is as you are, we haven't even mentioned, you, you are retiring this year uh, as our U.S. Senator, and um, you leave behind years of elections experience and uh, a wealth of information. What do you hope that local election authorities uh, glean from your time? And um, I guess, how do you hope to be remembered? I know Eric has already said a few ways that we continue thinking about your time in office. Well, I think, you know, one of the things is one I've already mentioned is that that whole idea in election administration, that certainly there's some adversarial responsibility, but there's also some required team responsibility uh, and understanding how big it is that people have confidence in what happens on election day. Uh, If we didn't know that before the last 10 years, we should know it now. Um, 2020 was a wake-up call of one kind, and many states began to look for uh, new systems. And in some cases, they discarded paper when they were doing that. Uh, And then after 2016, it became very evident once again that some, uh, some way to recreate what happened on election day was very important if people ever did challenge what happened there and always thinking about the integrity of the system. Um, I'd also say to our election uh, officials that are listening to this from around the the state or or whoever whoever listens, I I do think in my case, having that 12 years experience as a county official has been very helpful to the way I've always approached government. Uh, if uh, you know, county official, state official, member of Congress for 26 years, uh, you want to get a problem solved. It's hard to find a place where there's more willingness to try to solve it and eagerness to try to solve it than a county than a county courthouse or the county government center, where there's still that clear understanding that your your job here is to make the government work for the people you work for, if you can do that at all. And within the restrictions of the law, what can we do? In elections, they may be a little more restrictive than other things, but if you go to the courthouse with a problem, uh, you've got a whole group of people there who usually work for somebody who is very interested in you helping them solve that problem or very interested in helping solve that problem themselves. I I think people who have been county officials uh, take that with them in a positive way, whether they go from government to the private sector or to another level of government. Uh, And for me, at least important, uh, I I love being Secretary of State. I love the things we did in the office. Uh, And um, in January, when I leave, I will have been in the Congress for uh, 26 years. And, uh, uh, you know, here, I'm leaving with some things done I'm really proud of. Uh, Last week, Senator Stabenow from Michigan and I spent a lot of time talking about a piece of legislation we got done this year that 
really will allow all 50 states to have some federal assistance in moving toward uh, treating mental health like all other health. Uh, and I hope uh, we've done things to make it clear that uh, democracy is important and democracy works. Uh, on uh, January the 6th, I, I left the building at four o'clock, the Capitol at four o'clock that morning, but I left it with our work done. You know, the accounting group for the, the election were Senator Klobuchar and I and two House members and the vice president. And, uh, you know, democracy matters. Um, we send one of our strongest messages to the world every, every four years when we have a peaceful transfer of power. I got to chair, I chaired two of those conventions, uh, to, two of those inaugurations, the one in 2017 and the one in 2021. And in both cases, there's a message sent that while one side's always happier than another at that moment, or at the end of most elections, frankly, uh, that it, this democracy goes on because people accept the results. Right back to the topic of our conversation, the importance of doing everything we can so that people have confidence that what they tried to do collectively on election day is exactly what was reflected in the results from that election. And I'm grateful to both of you and all of, all your colleagues in our state, for sure, and all over the country, but particularly in our state, who make this system work. Well, we're very grateful for you taking the time with us today. And it sounds to me like the secret to for Congress getting things done is to have more local election officials serve in Congress. That's what it very well might be. Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to High Turnout Wide Margins, a podcast that explores local election administration. I'm your host, Brianna Lennon, alongside Eric Fay. Thanks to KBIA for making this podcast possible. Our managing editor is Rebecca Smith. Our managing producer is Aaron Hay. And our associate producers are Abigail Ruman and Katie Quinn. This has been High Turnout, Wide Margins. Thanks for listening.